All right, here we go. Salute to NBA Nation on this Wednesday afternoon. Another edition of the NBA Report. CP the Franchise, Alex Sotaros. We got the one-two combo in the building. Andrew Salop on today's episode, In-Season Tournament Madness. We're going to recap a wild night on the, on the NBA In-Season Tournament. Plus... Mark Cuban selling Dallas Mavericks. We're going to get into that. A little bit of a surprise news coming out of there. And and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson firing back at the critics and the haters after a slow start to the season. So we got a lot to discuss. Let's get into it. Lock in, hit the like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. Another edition of the NBA Report. Presented by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com, use promo code NBAR for an instant deposit match of up to $100. All right, fellas, let's get right into it. I thought this was going to be the night to really swing things for this tournament in terms of the interest and the popularity. It was the final night of group play. Ramifications on the line in several games. And I was into it. I mean, now we talked about it on, on, on KFTV. We're watching Knicks versus Charlotte. But at the same time, you're doing live looks into Milwaukee and the Miami Heat because the Knicks were trying to win Group B. Milwaukee Bucks in the lead for Group B. So you're trying to see what's happening there. Point differentials. Uh, the Knicks needed some point differentials to, to win the wild card. So you're looking at that as well. I thought it was great, man. You ended up having the Knicks washing the Hornets. You had the Bulls, the Celtics destroying the Bulls. And in a game where the Celtics are up by damn near 30, you're getting a hack of Andre Drummond situation, right? <laughs> I mean, you had that. You go to the West Coast, the final game of the night, the best game of the night, you had a playoff-like atmosphere between the Kings and the Warriors, Golden 1 center rocking, and if, as it would come down to it, Golden State needing to win by 12 to win their group or Sacramento needing to win the game or lose by less than 12 to win the group in the midst of a budding rivalry. I mean, it was playoff-like atmosphere in that game. That game was crazy. Obviously, you had uh, the the Miami and, and Milwaukee game getting close. But listen, man, all in all, I think this was a success. And so you got Knicks and Bucks on Tuesday, Pacers, Celtics. You got Lakers and Suns, Kings and Pelicans, the final eight. Al, what's your thoughts on this one, man? I loved everything about the in-season tournament. I'm glad that you came to the dark side, CP, because <laughs> you were a curmudgeon to start off when you heard about it. You're like, oh, what are we going to do with this? This is nonsense. Uh, I was hating we should have left it the way that it was. Time. Yeah, You were on your get-off-my-lawn mode for a little bit. But now that you see the, the, the excitement in it, I'm happy that you came to the dark side. And look, as you mentioned, we got a playoff-like atmosphere when it came to the Kings and Warriors. That thing went down to the final seconds, right? And I know we're going to get yeah. more into that game, but... Wow. I just like how it's breaking up the season, CP and Andrew. This is like a great way to change like the monotony of the 82-game season. Look, without it, we'd be talking about the league. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we have the 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 Hornets and whoever on a reg regular Tuesday night meaning nothing. But, you know, we have a Knicks and a Hornets game that means something. And it's just insane how one thing, one tweak to the NBA schedule can create something more important. And you see, like we heard from Jalen, Julius, and RJ last night uh, that – these guys wanted to do it for their teammates, for the guys at the end of the bench, for the assistant coaches, 
you know, for $500,000 or, and then some, it means something to these guys. They want to show that they are appreciative of everyone who puts in the time and the effort to make these teams go. And you even hear when we talked to Caitlin Cooper earlier this week for a team like the Pacers, a team that hasn't been in the playoffs, this is just good experience because you're talking about a pressure cooker type situation where these guys get experience, they get to move on and then it helps them grow as a team. So I'm all for it. I love everything about the in-season tournament. I'm looking forward to see how it evolves over the next couple of years because this is only the the foundation, but everything so far I've been a big fan of. Yeah, great launch. And I mean, over time, when this thing gets some history, it's only going to get even better. And to your point, Alex, like the Pacers and the Orlando Magic, they're not legit contenders yet, but they're getting better. And it gives them something to play for. I think it's been absolutely fantastic. I know everybody's down on the courts, but I kind of like the courts, man. I think the courts mm. are fun. Uh, it's been uh, really fun. You know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. They added the play-ins. They added this midseason tournament. Everything has been great about it. I know whenever you bring something new, there's a little bit of skepticism, but I think this is a big win for the NBA. I mean, I think the league gets everything that they want here. You have your big market teams. You got New York in it. You got Boston. You got LA. You've got LeBron potentially going to Vegas, the stage. Will he get the Vegas team when they expand? You have that. So you got the Lakers in there. You got the Celtics, you know, the, the history. You've got, I mean, you, you've got young stars, right? I mean, you have regular stars. You got KD, you got LeBron in that matchup, Lakers Suns first to, to kick it, to kick it off. You got Tatum. You, you, who else you got in here? Um, I mean, yeah, Devin Booker. Then you got your young stars, right? You got Zion in the mix. You got Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, Randall, RJ Barrett, the whole Knicks, the Knicks big three in the mix. I got to drop that in there. We got to salute our guys. You got the Aaron Fox. I mean, yeah. so you got a mix, man. You got a mix. You got the the old guard, the rising stars, your established teams, popular teams, and teams on the rise. You got the Pacers in there. You have Pelicans. You have Knicks. As you just said, Alex, teams that have something to play for and, and maybe want to add that, you know, to their resume and, and as a as a chemistry builder, I think this is perfect for the league, man. And like I said, that Kings-Warriors game, that's exactly what they needed to sell this thing. That's exactly what you needed to sell this thing. And and even, even Celtics-Bulls, I mean, to see how these teams are trying to play this thing and strategize to get their points – that was a it was a big night for the league. I thought it was a big night. Playoff yeah, atmosphere CB, for sure. Yeah, and to add on to that, CP, think about it. Like even for LeBron James for the in season tournament, don't you want to add that to your resume? You got every single award, a lot of other uh, credentials, a lot of a lot of other accolades. Now there's another there's a new thing to the league. Don't you want? Does it, don't you think he's thinking? Hmm, that's another notch in the belt that I could add right there if I get this in season tournament. Others may think it's nothing, but for him, you talk about a legacy being a first player to do it. Even yeah. th I think that's something, something else for to brag about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, when he gets eliminated, you know, when he gets eliminated, uh, you know, it was really nothing in it to begin with. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and, Andrew, you go ahead. So my thing is, is that who's going to win MVP of this tournament? I think that's another notch for an individual player mm -hmm. that we're going to see. I kind of, I want to see what Halliburton yeah. could do. I want to see one of these guys. Yeah. I want to see one of these guys that haven't got the chance to be like in the MVP mix. You know, maybe we see like yeah. the younger MVP. I mean, that's pretty cool to be the first MVP. I'll call, I'm going to call it the NBA cup. The first MVP, <laughs> NBA cup, MVP of the NBA cup. That sounds really cool. Like I like yeah. it. 
Listen, it could be Halliburton. You, you never know. Maybe it's Zion if the Pelicans make it. I like it. You, you got a bunch of random teams in there. You have some contenders in there. And it's 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 adding to the parity of the league. I think even for the NBA Finals, you've got some parity there. You got a lot of teams that can make a case. Still a young season. You never know what can happen. The champs have some adversity right now with no Jamal Murray. They're trying to get back into the mix. You know, the Clippers trying to get it together. Lakers trying to find their groove. Will they go get the Rose and will they get Levine? So I think there's, there's parity for the finals. And now you have parity for the NBA Cup. I, I think it's a win for the league, especially when you look at how well the, the play-in tournament did last year. Now you have the in-season tournament adding intrigue at, in November. Uh, th- that was definitely a win. What did you guys think? Uh, Al, I'll start with you. What did you guys think about, first off, with the whole point differential situation? Like, some people felt like it was hard to follow. Like, did, did you feel that way? It was very difficult to follow. I had no, I, I still have to this day, no idea how it's calculated, all the things. I'm like trying to do my research to figure that out. But I think it's a great element because it changes it up for what, you know, tiebreakers are for going into the regular NBA playoffs. For now, you're thinking about point differential. And see, people were joking about it for Tom Thibodeau on the show last night for post game. Uh, you know, you get to have all your star players out there and just trying to run up a score. And all of this, you know, what's you know what is customary in a, in a in a blowout and, and what you do. It's like, oh well, you don't run up the score. You just pull out your stars and let the third unit go in there. Now it's like, no, 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 no. Everyone's in there. We're waiting until the clock hits zero. We're going to run the score up to 50 if we need to, so that way we can make it. Look, it'd be dead. The Celtics, as you said, trying to do a hack of drumming in order to still get up points to to keep up with the Knicks, right? And that's just how crazy this in-season tournament is. I like that element to it. We're going to need a red zone channel for it, man. I think that's going to be the next thing. Watch. A red zone channel. Oh, my God. They're going to have a red zone-like channel on the final night of group play. They're going to have some sort of thing where you can pan into games and do a full, full breakdown so that you can get it. Like you might have it on, you know, like a TNT online, you know, digital network, or maybe it's on House of Highlights, a Bleacher Report or something like that. Then you got to have something to that nature to kind of really break it down for more of the casual fan. And then, Andrew, you know, last last show, last week, we, we talked about it in terms of the point differential and running up to score. Last night, you had a situation in the Celtics-Bulls game where after the Celtics did what they did, they went for it. Right? Joe Mazzula went for it. They're up by 20-something points. <laughs> They're doing a hack of drumming in the fourth quarter. Billy Donovan is pissed off. His team is, is in the toilet right now, and he's getting the score run up on them. They met at half court and had a lengthy exchange. And then after the game, you know, Billy Donovan was basically saying that Missoula was explaining to him why they did what they did. But Billy Donovan was kind of, he was kind of against it in, in, in terms of that running up with the score. You've heard other players, Jalen Brown, saying it wasn't natural mm-hmm. in terms of the integrity of the game. Josh Hart after the Knicks game and felt uncomfortable doing it. Donovan Mitchell said the same thing. So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yo, even Tatum talked about it. We saw DeMar DeRozan get super upset. But I think like, you know, the league's European players, they're probably more used to it because as I said, when I started playing overseas and I was watching one of the games that I wasn't involved in, a T was like down 20 and they were pressing full court with like one minute left. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Uh, And that's what it is. Point differential. I think it's something that you have to get used to. And maybe some of the players are taking it personal now, but over time, I think it'll pan itself out. And I love it. I think it takes away some of the garbage time element. Maybe it'll hurt load management, but it'll make some of these ends of the games interesting, especially when the fans of those teams really get into it. Yeah. 
True, true story. And, and then Al, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially from the Knicks side of things where you have, you finish group play and then you're in a knockout stage and you're playing another member in your group. That is the Milwaukee Bucks. And now the Knicks have to play the Bucks five times. If they lose this game, I believe they'll have to play the Celtics or the loser of Celtics Pacers. And so they could potentially have to play the Bucks five times and the Pacers five times in one season. What, what do you think about that? Some Knicks fans are like, ah, we, we caught the, the, the bad draw because we got to go to Milwaukee for this game. Might have to go to Boston for the next game. What do you think about that? It is what it is, man. I mean, it's going to be for anybody who they have to play. I mean, what it's saying is that you're a good team, right? And if you're a good team, you should want to get the experience of playing a better team than you or someone who's in your same weight class because at the end of the day, that's what the whole regular season is about, right? And when you get to the playoffs, you're going to have to face good teams. Now, you may be thinking about standings and stuff like that, but go out there and compete, man. At the end of the day, that's what the whole sport is about. It's not, oh, what's the easiest road to get to the amount of wins that we get, the playoff security that we need. You got to go out there and compete, man. That's what people love sports. That's why I come, like, look, you talk about the Warriors-Kings game. You're talking about good two good teams coming down to the wire. That's what I enjoy. I don't want to care about, like, all right, so what? I mean, I guess, yes. Would it be nice if you get the Hornets again, you get to go beat up on them and add to your win record? Sure, yeah. that's great. But how many times do I have to go say, all right, that's an easy night in the book for the Knicks? Like, I can only get excited about the Knicks being the Hornets so many times. Whereas if we beat the Bucks, I think as a fan, that's more exciting just because, oh, that means we're a good team or even a better team that we may have anticipated just because we're competing with someone at, at the top end level. So I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, go ahead. I would just say, listen, like we said, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. You got to play your schedule. Whoever's on the schedule, whoever's in front of you, you got to knock them off. And in the NBA, hey, on any given night, any team can can get knocked off. Now, it's a little bit different in a playoff series. But for a team like the Knicks, I like these games as a measuring stick, as a bar. You, you went into Milwaukee, you lost a tough game already to kick off the in-season tournament. Go back in there and go get revenge. Go back in there and show your locker room, show your organization that, you know, we can compete with these guys. We're on the level. If we play our A game, we could see them. I, I like that. I want to see how the Knicks continue to stack up against Milwaukee, against the Celtics, take their lumps and see if they can get through it, get through the hurdles. You know, Julius dropped 25 and 20 against the Hornets. Let me see what's going on against, against the Greek freak and Lopez and Bobby Portis on Tuesday night. Let me, let me see that same level of, of effort and intensity because I want to see the Knicks start to win these games against these upper echelon playoff teams. So I think it's a good measuring stick. And we're going to see some of the things that we'll see in the playoffs. Like maybe we'll see a shortening of some of the lineups, like a peek into what the coach is thinking for yeah. each team. And we saw some playoff stuff with the Bucs, and this is why I thought they were so dangerous. They're starting to get comfortable in end-of-game yeah, yeah. situations. Now, look, with Drew out and Grayson Allen out, they did sacrifice some of their defense, but I think they're a lot better potentially in late-game situations, and we saw some of that last night. It's almost a peek into the playoffs. For me, the other thing I would say about this, guys, is that if you're playing a team five times, right, before the NBA changed from the first round series to being a five game, best of five to best of seven, you know, this is going back to old school saying, all right, you're going to see this team five times. How do you adjust against a good team if you're someone like the Knicks, right? Mm -hmm. So that type of experience, I think, is very serviceable, very, like for a team like the Knicks or anybody else where it's like, all right, let's see, how do you come back next time? How do you adjust to these types of situations, right? 
CP always talked about how you like these mini series where you have these back-to-back games, whether it may be back-to-back games the day right next to each other, or you get a break in between. That's playoff type of, of experience. This is the same thing. Five time against the Milwaukee Bucks for the Knicks. That's good experience for a team like that. Yeah. No, no doubt about it, man. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit the like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel, the NBA Report in the building, CP the Franchise, Alex Chitaros, our guy Andrew Salop, the one-two combo, is with us on a Wednesday, recapping a wild night on the end-season tournament, man. Who do you guys think is the favorite to take this thing? On the East, you got Pacers and Celtics. You have Knicks and Bucks. On the West, you got Lakers-Suns. You have Kings and you have Pelicans. Andrew, what do you think, man? I got the Bucks, man. I got the Bucks. Yeah, and I I think they're starting to come together. It's been some ups and downs. It hasn't been seamless, but from what I just spoke to a little bit earlier, it's like we're seeing what they could be in late-game situations. Um, Giannis is rolling a little bit hard, or Dame is getting more comfortable. Middleton getting into his bag a little bit more. I know his minutes have been restricted, but I just think they're even more dangerous than the Boston Celtics in late game situations. To me, Mm. I believe, and I know this has nothing to do with the in-season tournament comparing them to the Celtics, but I'm just saying like at the end of games, I believe in Damon Giannis more than Tatum and Brown. I just think this team has a higher ceiling than maybe some people are thinking about because of their ups and downs, but I do believe they'll get it all together in the long run. And we saw some really interesting stuff on the offensive side when it came to coaching and schemes at the end of that game. I'm high on them. I think they win this in-season tournament. Mm. I'm thinking the Celtics, man. I think the Celtics, if you're talking about the East, I think they're the fact that they can play two-way basketball consistently, I think that's the big thing for me is that you have – Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, KP, like offensively, that team, one through five, all those guys can score. It's very hard to say, who are we going to pinpoint to stop on the offense and on the defensive side? What's the weak point? I mean, maybe you can, if you were going to go traditional and back KP into the paint, like a, like a traditional big, but not many people do that. So like the rim protection that he can offer the Celtics, I think they're, I think they're going to be a tough out for the East. They're, they're really good in my eyes. I mean, that's why they're ranked, you know, top like that's why they're ranked like if you look at a lot of these power rankings why they're so high right now on all these lists but i mean even when you look at the lineup it's just an insane lineup that they have right now the 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 differential that they have is just unheard of so I'm going with the celtics yeah i i think i would have to give the celtics the edge for for now um having i, I don't think the pacers will be able to slow Not the nick cp <sighs> I'm trying to get to Vegas. I'm trying to get to Vegas, but I'm just going to be realistic. <laughs> i got to give the Celtics the edge. They've got right now the season lead over the Pacers, over the Knicks, and over the Bucks. haven't beaten all three of those teams. I don't think the Pacers will be able to, to defend them if the Celtics come come with their A game. Um, the Bucks are sneaky. I'm with Andrew on that. And the sneaky, the, the sneaky part about them is the fact that they're, what, 12-4? and four? And still trying to get it together. <laughs> you know, they're still one of the best teams in the East while trying to get it together. Dame and the Freak have been stringing together 30-point games. They're starting to get more locked in. You see, I had Curtis Middleton step his game up last night in the win against the Heat. I thought he was pretty big in the second half. He finished with 17 points for them. So they're sneaky because with their superstars, they don't necessarily have to have it all together because they can superstar their way into a close game. And then when it gets into crunch time, you got Dame time. You got the freak who's unstoppable in one-on-one. You got to give them a chance. So I'll, I'll go Celtics. I'll put the Lakers up there because with the Suns, number one, who's going to play? 
Is Kevin Durant even going to play? He's questionable tonight for, in tonight's matchup with the foot injury. Bradley Beal's probably not going to be around. Let's hope Devin Booker can make it to that game. I think the Suns are still trying to figure that out. I'm going to give the Lakers the edge in that matchup. Uh, but the Kings always play the Lakers tough. So can't sleep on the Kings either. But I, I think the, the Lakers, I, I'm giving the Lakers a good chance in the West. Kings second. And in the East, I'll go Celtics and, and Bucks second. Hmm. I'm with you. With I, think, I, I think the C's can take it. Yeah, I'm with you with the Suns. Um, I don't think chemistry is microwavable, and I do not believe they're legit title contenders, which is always an easy take because 29 teams don't win. But I just think that if they stay together, next year will be the big year for them. I don't think they have enough chemistry to deal with the top teams. Um, and then we got the health thing, right? Like Bradley Beal's hardly playing. Um, Devin Booker's been out a little bit. KD has been out a little bit recently. Can we get all three of those guys together? I do like Eric Gordon. I love that, you know, pickup. But I don't think they're ready this year. I think if they could all keep it together, next year will be their year for legit title contention. Hmm. I like – I actually like the Kings out in that in the West, oh, man. I think, yeah. I think they're so dynamic. You know, I'm just watching the team last night against the Warriors, and I think something that – other teams don't do as well as running an offense and just getting other guys involved. Like you're seeing how they get Duarte involved, how they get Herter involved. Obviously they rely on Fox, but then you can run, uh, you can allow DeMontis Sabonis to be kind of that point center that like you see with Jokic, mm -hmm. even though he's a lesser version of that. Um, but like, I think that is just so difficult to keep up with. And if you get Fox rolling, like he was last night, like how do you keep up with a guy with that type don't, of release? Don't forget Monk. Don't forget Monk. Yo, Monk Monk, yeah, Monk with, the, Monk with the game winner last night. He got the and, game winner. And Herder. And, yeah. Herder had like, like 21 Herder. last night. Yeah. Yeah. I like he's Herder. Like, too. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like Clay, but better than Clay right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, we're going to talk about Clay, but I mean, for that team, I, I like what they all, I like what they offer. Man, that entire team, like you just see the chemistry, how anybody can get involved. That's tough to stop. So, yeah. I'm tough. putting the Kings as my favorite team for the West. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. There you go. What do you guys in the chat think? Who's your favorite to win this thing? Leave some comments in the chat. We'll shout you guys out. Uh, shout out Gregory Weiner. He says uh, Lopez will be a problem. Triple M in the building. Salute to Triple M. He says this is the IST report. <laughs> Let's go. IST. Let's go. Uh, Gregory Weiner, Malik Monk, dangerous. My two cents as the Lakers, the league fixes in. They'd love Lakers and Celtics, but they'll settle for Lakers and Bucks. Imagine Lakers and Knicks. And that's what I'm saying, man. Like, you got a lot of intriguing matchups to go into Vegas with. I mean, look, the, the, the Pacers might not ring off the charts. They'll look impressive on the court, but name wise, they won't they won't bring that name. But if you get like Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Knicks, Lakers, Bucks. Knicks, Suns, you know, Knicks versus anybody. You get Knicks versus Zion and the Pelicans might be, you know, might not be the greatest with, with CJ out and, and the Pelicans kind of being decent. But, you know, you got you got some potential, especially when you have uh, L.A., Boston and, and New York vying for this thing. I think that's a good, good look for the league. Definitely. Yeah, and we'll look. We'll see Zion and Halliburton and uh, more playoff situ type situations because we haven't seen them in the playoffs yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really fun from every angle. And look, see if you talk about the market teams and the small teams or the up and coming stars, this could be a preview for an NBA Finals game. You know, especially with some of the teams in the mix right now. I mean, Lakers. Imagine you get that matchup. You talk about Celtics and Lakers. That could be a potential Finals. You talk about 
how the Kings are playing right now. Celtics and, and Kings, Milwaukee and Kings, Milwaukee and Lakers. That could be a potential uh, potential type finals uh, matchup. Andrew shaking his head like, no, nah, not the Kings yet. I can see it. I see it. I no, see it. no, no. Actually, no, I'm with you with the Kings. I'm with you with the Kings. Like, I love the Kings. I think they're such a – I don't think anybody wants to play them. The way the ball movement is, the top-end talent, as you said, Sabonis is like their light Jokic. The Aaron Fox is trending towards superstardom. And Kevin Herter's that movement shooter that fits so well with other stars. Um, I think they're phenomenal. They're very, like, Warriors-influenced, in my opinion. Like, I think oh, sure. they took a lot of what the Warriors did, but they now they just have younger players. So over a seven-game series, man, they could bring it every single night, just giving you all that offensive firepower over and over and over again. If, if somebody beats them, it's going to take a lot of energy on that defensive yeah. side, I'll tell you that. That's, the, that's that Mike Brown influence from being with the Warriors for so long. You see that's it. That's true. That's true, 100%. True indeed. True indeed, man. Salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Another edition of the NBA Report. CP the Franchise, uh, Alex Rotaros, Andrew Salop in the building. Remember that today's show is presented by Prize Picks, guys. Go to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MBAR for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks. Daily fantasy made easy. Now, we did play on Monday night, and it was a mixed bag for me on Monday. I went with a five-pick flex pay uh, with one of my locks of the night being uh, Tyrese Maxey, and he went for over 26 and a half with the Lakers against the Lakers, more than 26 and a half against the Lakers. I did like Anthony Davis in this game against the Sixers with more than 23 and a half points. And he fell short with just 17. Uh, another one of my locks of the night fell a little short, man. I had Jaden Ivy with more than 16 and a half points against the Washington Wizards. He finished with 15. I did like this. Asar Thompson with less than 24 and a half points, rebounds and assists. And he finished with 22. And I also did like Kyle Kuzma with more than 35 and a half points, rebounds and assists in that game. And he finished with uh, 44. So uh, I got three out of five on the night. Wasn't what I was looking for, but we're going to play again tonight. Stay tuned for the end of the show when we get into our picks of the night. Now, uh, let's let's talk. So let's go rapid fire through some of these games last night with in-season tournament implications. Number one, you had. Milwaukee in Miami vying for that group B title. No Jimmy Butler, Haywood Highsmith from Miami. And, and for the Bucs, again, still trying to get it together. You had the Bucs run out to a 15-2 and two lead, but give credit to the Heat. Uh, they definitely had some resiliency in this game, especially with, with, no, with no Jimmy Butler in this game. They had a 40-point uh, second quarter to get them back into things. But in the end, uh, Andrew, as you talked about earlier in the show, now the Bucs finding a way to get it done in crunch time. They closed the game on a 16-6 to run, going 5-6 from the field, 5-5 five five from the line. You had Giannis and Dame combining for 65 points, Chris Middleton 17, Malik Beasley 16, and Brooke Lopez uh, 12, and the Bucks win Group B 131-124 to over the Heat. Andrew, what did you think about this one? Yeah, to me, I know everybody's on the Celtics right now. They have the highest ceiling to me in this Eastern Conference just from what Dame and Giannis and Middleton as a trio could bring to you in late-game situations. And then, obviously, with Dame and the shot clock situations with him and Chris being elite at that. And Dame is even more elite at that than Chris because he could just hit you before the defense is set, right? Logo Lillard. So 
I think their offensive ceiling is really high, and we saw we, we got a peak. Like that's why I love the offseason season tournament. We got a peak into some playoff situations. At the end of this, at the end of the game, I think they're going to be an absolute nuisance, and it's part of the reason why I have them over the Celtics when it comes to who I believe will come out of the East. Just I just believe in Dame and Giannis more than I believe in Tatum and Brown. Yeah, how about you, man? It's tough to believe in the Bucks for me, man. I think, like, obviously, Andrew, mm. you said everything. Like, they're a very talented team. That defense has got to shape up, man. I mean, the fact that they didn't, the Heat didn't have Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler, and you're looking at Kevin Love, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, and Josh Richardson in that starting lineup, and this is a game down to the wire. That's tough for me to start believing in the Bucks. Like, do they have the offensive talent in Giannis and Dame? Absolutely. Is Middleton on his on on the back up and up? Absolutely. But for me, that defense has got to shape up because if you can't stop a Heat team without their number one player, that's tough for me to start believing, man. So, are they going to be a tough out? Sure. This is where I'm like for the Knicks and the Bucks competition, like for the upcoming in season tournament. This is why I'm confident in the Knicks, just because the Bucks are having a difficult time stopping anybody. It's kind of it's almost it's not as bad. It's almost like watching them. Like the Hawks defense or the Pacers defense, like oh the Pacers this, is crazy. The Pacers, yeah. the Pacers are so this is elite what I'm on, saying, man. Like, so, so so elite on offense, it's so terrible on defense. It's, it's I know, incredible. but like 124 points for a Miami team without their top guys, that's tough, man. That's rough to watch. We can't we can't compare it to the Pacers though, Alex. Come on, man. Come on. They still got <laughs> I don't know, 124, 124 <laughs> without their top guys. Their top two guys is it's screaming that to me. <laughs> they they still got Brook and Giannis, which have been a part of elite defense. I think that helps. Yes. The Pacers are like Olay. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pacers definition of Matador D, but the, <laughs> but the Bucks with uh, Giannis being the the I guess the jack of all trades for that defense and Brooke Lopez providing that room protection. Uh, Adrian Griffin spoke highly uh, of his contributions last night. I mean, is that going to be enough? We'll have to see. I mean, you're putting a lot of stock in in a Malik Beasley Dame perimeter mm. defense in, in crunch time that I think that's going to be tough. But like you said, they have the firepower between those guys and the guys with takeover potential where, Hey, that, that might be enough, but that's also the reason why I think it's again, a tough matchup for the Knicks, because if, if they have an off night, if Randall doesn't have a good night, they don't win. Let me ask you guys a question. Would you they rather, would you rather elite offense and good enough defense or vice versa? Elite offense, good enough defense. Yeah, we see. I mean, we just saw it with the Nuggets. You know, yeah. I, I think some yeah. of these teams with the elite offense definitely have a chance as long as they get everybody to buy in and make it good enough. We see yeah. the success with the Kings. They're not great. Like, I think it's. I think they have that chance to be an elite offense. How do we figure out on defense? As you guys are talking about, is definitely the question. But I think they can figure it out. Those guys are yeah. smart, veteran players, ready to win now. Um, obviously the Celtics. Defensive ceiling is higher. Like they're they got the two best defensive guards probably in the league playing together, right? With best, best White and, and Drew Holiday, and their their two best players are two way players. So obviously their defensive ceiling is higher. But I kind of like the mold of having elite offense and let's figure it out. Let's figure it out on defense than vice versa. Yeah, I have to go. I have to agree with CP where it's like I would rather have good offense and good enough defense. Yeah, but it's still like. The thing is, man, like it's the crucial stops. And I know defense is all about effort at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, look, if the Bucs can figure it out, they're going to be a, a, a top team. But if you got to think about the Celtics, who Andrew's point, like their defensive ceiling is just high. 
You yes. know, the question the question for the Celtics is can Tatum and Ken Brown both show up at the same time and galvanize the troops and really come through in the end? We haven't seen that yet. Oh, outside of Jalen Brown during the finals and, and some of the playoffs, and Tatum did for part of part of the playoffs last season, but I hear you. And I feel like things look more seamless when Porzingis is their number two guy on offense. And I love Jalen Brown, but like it feels like that's the better fit with Tatum from what I'm seeing this season. Like I just like on offense, it just feels like everything comes together where Porzingis is hitting on all cylinders. I mean, now you're just gonna get some Celtics fans angry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. No, definitely. I, I get, I get, I get fans, fans get angry at me all the time. It's all right, man. It's all, right. Yeah, it's all good. For, for sure, man. But yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's going to be their defense and the health of Chris Middleton to me that, that yeah. will determine their, their ultimate uh, fate. And, and again, if, when, if Giannis and, 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 uh, and Dame get it together offensively, like they did last night. I mean, you had 33, 10, and 5 for Giannis, three steals a block, 11 to 16 shooting. You had day 9 of 18 from the field, 4 of 9 from downtown, 10 for 10 from the stripe, 32 points, 9 assists. That's a hard, that's a yeah, see, combo to stop there. Uh, yeah, combo. I, li- I, like, I like how you use the word combo there. Um, So, like, with Dame playing like this, if we see this in the playoffs – from Dame, every sports show is going to be talking about Dame over everybody. Like yeah, he has yeah. a chance to have some huge moments in the playoffs, even though he's not being talked about much in the regular season. I could see him exploding and taking it to a new level. Mm. True, indeed. And then for the Heat, you had again no hero, no Butler, but you had Bam doing Bam things. Thirty-one points, ten boards, five assists for Bam, uh, just doing everything he could for the team. Kyle Lowry with an efficient night, twenty-one points, six dimes. So Lowry had Josh Richardson with twenty and seven as well. And then you had off the bench, fourteen points for Caleb Martin and a guy I like, man, this Jaime Hawkes Jr. Out of UCLA, fourteen points, six assists, seven to nine from the field. I like him off the bench for, for Miami, man. He, I, I, I talked about him in the past. Scrapper, upperclassman, comes in, plug and play, ready to go. And he's tough, man. He plays physical, and he plays with a high motor. You know, I, I watched him when, when they came to the Garden against the Knicks. And the entire first half, I don't think he scored maybe more than two points. He might have been like one for six from the field. But he kept coming. And, and he never lost confidence in his game. And I'm watching him, watching him. Then in the second half... He starts turning up and he just, he's just pretty, he's relentless on his attack. I I just like the way he plays at the the edge that he plays with. And he finished last night with 14 and six. So for Miami, no in-season tournament for them. And, and and they finished the night at 10 and eight. For Jaime Hawkins, man, I think the thing that I like is just his high IQ. Like he came, he plays, he's such like a heat prototypical type player has the high IQ, the toughness, and that's for a rookie coming off the bench, giving you that type of production early in your career. That's a great selection. And for a guy like, because you got to think like Jovic is, is something that Jovic is someone that they wanted to be like Jaime, right. To be in that role already, but Jaime's already doing that. So if you, if Jovic can figure it out, man, they got two guys, two guys who could play on the wing. That'll just be, that'll be lethal. Yeah, definitely two guys that could play on the win. Jokic could even play like your five in certain situations, like a small ball five. He got some nice size to him. With Jaime, he's like a complete player. Like, he doesn't have too many weaknesses. Is he elite in anything? Maybe not. But as CP said, he's relentless, and he's just a complete, really good basketball player. 
True indeed, true indeed, man. Now, the, the other game of the night that I really wanted to highlight was the Sacramento and Golden State in Sacramento. Kings fans want to light the beam. The in-season tournament, Group C on the line. And you had the Dubs leading by as much as 24 points in this game. This game was crazy. Dubs was leading by as much as 24. You had CP3 leave the game with a, with a, a leg injury. Uh, Gary Payton II would also leave this game with an injury. And this thing got so chaotic in the in the fourth quarter. First of all, third quarter, you had Sacramento with a third 40 point third quarter to get themselves back into the game. And then in the fourth quarter, you had so much ebbs and flows, man, where Steph would have his moments. You had Malik Monk having his moments going off in the fourth quarter, ultimately winning the game on a crazy, crazy shot. You had the battle between Moody and is it Vasenko? Vasenko, who's on the Kings? What's this yes. guy's name? Number seven on the Kings. Senko. Yeah, he can shoot. Absolutely fearless. And, and then you had Fox do this thing. The crowd is going crazy. Draymond's going crazy. He's wilding out. He's. I think, bro, there was a stretch where, I mean, Draymond, he flops. He gets the flop. Then gets like a technical foul. Then gets injured. And then, and then, and then Steve Curry yanks about the game. The game was chaotic, man. But ultimately, Sacramento wins the state 124 to 123. Uh, Andrew, what would you think about this game, man? You know, I think I've talked about this before. 24 points in the modern game is not much. And especially when you're playing with the team like the Kings versus the Warriors, where they're just getting up and down, shooting a whole bunch of threes, not elite on defense. So it didn't surprise me that the Kings came back because they're just younger. They have more energy. I know Chuck, I know Chuck talked about how they're cooked and they're old. I don't think they're cooked. I do think they're old and the Kings have more energy than them and, and are a lot younger, especially when it comes to their top end talent. Um, and then Monk calls game at the end to light the beam. Game. What a game, man. That was fun. Um, they played game seven last year. So they had some of that energy rubbing off on this game. The in season tournament has been great as we talked about, but what a game Monk calls game. And there you have it. I mean, how do you not, this is where the in-season tournament is so fun, right? Because you're bringing yeah. in old previous season drama mm -hmm. to this yeah. season, right? I mean, you had that with the Knicks and the Heat on Friday where it's like, all right, these two teams are meeting up for the first time. We know how that season ended for the Knicks. They was in game six to the Miami Heat, right? You had Brunson throw up 40 points, but yet the Heat were able to win in advance. Now you have the Knicks who are playing for their, uh, their in-season tournament hopes, right? Because they could have lost that game and been out. And you see how that that – uh, you see how that storyline's written. Now you get the same, you get the same situation between the Kings and the Warriors. This is why it's so much fun. But last night, man, you had Fox, you had uh, Monk, you had all these guys just going off in the fourth quarter, which you really needed to keep up with Steph Curry because he's the only guy that's really playing right now for for the Warriors, man. And, and I think if you look at the Warriors at this point, Andrew, to your point, as you mentioned, they are old. But is the dynasty over? Is the dynasty over for this team? Because you know. Clay's not really being Clay. Wiggins is struggling. Draymond's not giving you the offense that he used to give you when when this team was was running. And now you're just relying on Steph, and you're hoping that Steph can like. For me, I thought Steph had to drop forty last night in order for that team to win. That's really what needed to happen. Yeah, I could imagine it getting better than this, but I don't think they're going to win a championship this year. And as I said earlier, like that's always an easy take. Twenty nine teams don't win, 
but I don't really see them beating some of these teams in a seven-game series over the course of time. Do I believe they get better over the course of the season? Absolutely. I think Wiggins plays better. He had a good night last night. He had a great think, night. Yeah, I think Clay gets better, you know, even though he's getting some scrutiny from the media, and I know we're going to get into that yeah. eventually. But these guys are going to get better. Steph is still playing at an all-time level. He's incredible. Um, Draymond obviously has to calm it down a little, little bit. I think they get better, but I don't have them in that legit title contender mold as of right now. Death of a dynasty, man. Ooh. It's, it's always, always a difficult process to unwind. The death of a dynasty. We've seen it through sports. It's always tough. And the issue with the Warriors, I said this a couple shows ago, the issue is, is that they've committed to the older guard. It's a battle between the young and the old. They've committed to the older guard for the sake of winning now, to, to keep their window open, their title contender window open. They got CP3. They have Steph. They brought Draymond back for the contract extension. What happens with Clay? we'll, we'll see. But they've, they've locked in with these guys right now. But now, again, last night, perfect example. Fourth quarter, Moses Moody is cooking last night. I mean, this is Arkansas, Moses Moody. He's cooking 11 points in the fourth quarter. 11 points in the fourth quarter. He's the hottest player on your team. And he's nowhere to be found in crunch time. You brought Clay back into the game. Clay went one for five in the second half in this thing. And that that is the problem. They are too – the politics now in staying loyal to their old guard is clouding Steve Kerr's judgment. What did he say after the game? He said, well, I had to bring Andrew Wiggins back in, which, yes, Andrew Wiggins is the most important two-way player on their team. Most, do we agree on that? Most important two-way player on the team. Mm-hmm. You got to bring him in there. And he was hot last night. Definitely deserved it. He needed his defense. But Moody was was one of the hottest players on the team, <laughs> cooking in the fourth. Him and Vicenco going shot for shot, and then you look, he's nowhere in the game, and it's Clay Thompson in the game. That's what I mean. They're stuck between the young and the old, and maybe there's maybe a possibility where Kuminga and Moody are not yet ready to take over the reins, right? But that's where the challenge lies, because you've committed to the older guys who are here to win. But they may not be on a night-in-and-night-out basis outside of Steph. They might not be the best options to win you the game. Yeah, I mean, well, and, it also, and it also benefits your future to play the young guys, right? If we want to look past the Steph Curry era. And I, I think that's part of the reason why they're going so hard with the veterans. They probably believe for this year that gives them to have these guys together in sync, in chemistry for the playoffs, gives us our best chance to win a championship this year. What they're doing with those guys is not good for their future, though, because we want to see these guys develop. So it all depends on what you want to do. But to your point, CP, maybe it's better for this year and the future to play Moody and Kaminga more, you know? They should. I mean, look, if Steph still has it. He's still a top talent in this league, okay? Uh if I'm Kerr, if I'm the Warriors, I'm looking at Moody. I'm looking at Kaminga. I'm looking to get all these guys as much minutes as possible because I think you have to identify the situation now before it's too late. Look, Moody's in the third year of his contract. He's going to be uh, RFA next year. Um, you want to make sure that you know what you have in these guys and that you're not either overpaying or you're losing them because somebody else sees what you don't see in them yet. So, like, are the Warriors going to win a title this year? No, but they're in a position right now where you pay these guys where you have to try to compete. I mean, you went out and got a Chris Paul, which, you know, if you're trying to make a push, 
on paper looks great. But then if you're thinking about the competitiveness of this team, how, 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 how is it that every time it comes to an important situation, playoffs, and now even in-season tournament, hopes on the line, Chris Paul gets injured? Like, this is, okay. if you're the Warriors, if you're the Warriors, like, you just got to figure out, be like, all right, we got to figure out how to trade Chris Paul right now. And No, I'm serious. Like, I think they should just pivot and get these guys ready. But who, I think, who, could, who could they get for Chris Paul right now? I don't even think, I don't think they were going to get anything for Chris Paul. But I think if you're smart and the Warriors, like, you got a future right here where Kerr is struggling to get these young guys minutes. And I think that's the best for your team rather than saying, let's keep chugging along where, look, Draymond got suspended. You know, you're missing time with him. They struggled during that time period. Now it's like, all right, well, we see that Moody's here, but hey, Clay's got that contract. We got to figure this out and see if we can get these guys right. For me, I think like maybe you got to recognize the situation because I don't see, like the dynasty is coming to an end. It's tough to it's tough to watch all of this. Of a if you're the Warriors, you got to move. I will say this though, Bob Myers, good for you, man. Because this, talk about a way to exit where it's like he I saw it, built the championship, we did it. I got out. Now it's the next GM's problem, and because he doesn't adhere to the whole situation, like, oh, yeah. why did he make this offseason side? Now it's Dunleavy, and it's like, well, Dunleavy just entered. He's got to now fix it, try to figure out the situation. This is his all. This is his uh, team to work with. What a way to exit. You know, when he went on like a podcast tour, you know, it was over. You know, you know, you know. Yeah, he was yes. out of there. He, he was out of there, man. <laughs> but, but you know, the, on the CCP3 topic, this is why I say like they're, they're committed to that older guard. But you have guys now with durability questions, CP3. Steph has it now. Draymond. It, it, is Draymond's antics worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze anymore? Well, I mean, you watching him melt down in the middle of that game last night and Sacramento just in their composure, just taking it to these guys. Like, I'm not sure if, if the antics is worth it if he's not contributing much more on, on the court. They've got to figure that part out. And then, you know, there's there's a over-reliance on, on Stephen Curry where who is going to establish himself as a true number two option consistently? Could it be Wiggins? Is Clay going to find it? I mean, that's left to be determined. I, I don't see it that way, but I think that's why they're all they're in trouble. And then and then also they got to take care of the ball. They gave up 26 points off of turnovers last night. You know, just sloppy, sloppy basketball. You, you know, you're not gonna win too many games like that. So they they're just not crisp and they gotta get it together, man. Yeah, Draymond with four turnovers. Steph Curry led the led the way with five, three for Wiggins, three for Clay. It's not crisp. Yeah, I mean, to your guys' point, like health is a huge issue. And even if they are healthy, how does CP3 and Draymond on the offset on the offensive side make sense when you're playing a team like the Kings? How does CP3 and Steph Curry guarded the Aaron Fox in transition? Like the the fit was never really ideal, and with the health problems, it makes everything even more complicated. And then on top of it, with the Draymond antics, it's just crazy. But but the thing the thing is too, bro, is that with the politics. You're committing to to these guys, yeah. like yeah. you're committing to putting CP3 in that closing lineup if, if he's playing in this game. You're committing to putting Clay out there. What's Steve Kerr say? I wanted to get my vets in there. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? He he kept it a beat. It's politics with this thing. 
Yeah. That, that's that's a dangerous uh, road road to ride on, but we'll see how it plays out, man. But not to dim the light of the Kings because they did light the beam last night. I mean, they scored damn near 70 points in the second half on this team. You had De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk going crazy. We talked about Vasenko. I mean, Vasenkov. I mean, how many big shots has Malik Monk hit for the for for the Kings since getting there last year, man? I- incredible. But fan Malik favorite, Monk, fan real. favorite, yeah, fan favorite. I mean, talk about going from the depths of hell. Yeah, <laughs> where, where we spoke that Charlotte, yo, know, yeah, Jordan slapping him around like, yo, you little knucklehead kid, and now and now, there you go to so the Lakers first, right? And yeah. and and who gets you right? But LeBron James, just look at it. He got Jr. and Shump right. He's got he's got Monk right. He's got he had Cam Reddish playing right before he got hurt. You know all those guys who had those questionable maturity issues as, as young rooks coming up. Mm-hmm. As soon as they go go through LeBron James and, and his winning ways, they turn that thing right around. Man, that's what Malik Monk is at right now. You're totally right. That's why they brought in C. Wood. They believed in that LeBron effect with C. Wood. So LeBron does have that effect on players that we definitely saw with Jr. and a slew of other guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like I like Monk's game, man. And him being that guy off the bench for uh, for the Kings is just he's just electric, man. It's nice to have the reunion of De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk as a backcourt. Right? They're closing yeah. the game. That's just phenomenal. They were. The war, the Kings team is just fun, guys. Like yeah. I love everything that they do. It's just like you saw that last season and how they made noise last year. They're showing again that they're a legitimate team. You get De'Aaron Fox back off an injury, and they're just looking as dominant as possible. And the only question that I have for this team moving forward is: Can you? How far can you go with Sabonis as your five? Because he's undersized, great passer. Um, but when you think about the rest of the bigs, you got to compete with. In that conference, you think about Jokic, you think about Anthony Davis, you think about now the Timberwolves, where you have you have Cat, you have Gobert, you got Nas Reed. Like, how far can they actually go if they're not putting up like 130 points on a nightly basis and shooting like 50% from the field, 40% from downtown? That's what you're gonna need from them in a seven-game series. We saw how difficult it was for them last season against the Warriors. That's my only question. I love the pairing of Fox and Sabonis, but I wonder if do you move because I also know they got they got Murray out there too, who I love on the team as well. Yeah. What do you do with Sabonis? It's a, it's a really good combo they got with uh, Fox and Sabonis. But what do you do moving forward? Because that height at the center position in that conference may hurt you. Yeah, even against like the Lakers, right? If AD yeah. and LeBron are healthy, I mean, they just, yeah, they punish teams in the paint when they don't have enough. Yeah. You know, they, saw it they, in the bubble. Have effective enough size. And I think they're going to fall into the same category as the Pacers in that I just don't think defensively they're going to be strong enough to to really make a difference out West. But offensively, they're certainly clicking. Now, another another storyline coming out of this game, Klay Thompson talking to the media. As I mentioned, Klay Thompson went, I believe, one for five in the second half of this game. He went, let me just double check real quick. One for five. Went one for five in the second half of this game. Finished shooting six of 14 with 20 points. Uh, the media, he sat down with the media and was asked about his, his lackluster play, man. Here was Clay Thompson. Here, here was his response. Things like patience and time to find yourself. I think history will uh, is on our side when it comes to that stuff. 
you say that, do you, have you heard people say that? or is, No, I don't care what people say. Like, they don't do what we do. They can't do what they do. That's why they talk. Why would I? Like, come on. I don't care what people say at this point in my life. Next question. Next next question, says Clay. Now, uh, this was courtesy of First Take. Here was Stephen A. Smith's response. Let's hear what uh, Screaming A had to say, and then we'll respond to it uh, on the other side. Here he is at 118 mark. Here, here, here's Stephen A. Who religiously shoots better than 40% from three throughout his career is shooting 40% from the field, 36% from three-point range. And by the way, that's an improvement. You've been playing like hot trash. That is a bottom, that is the bottom line. We expect better from Klay Thompson. We know what kind of a champion he is. And with respectfully, that what he said right there before the game last night is a flat-out cop-out. That's about you not owning up to the fact that you're not doing the kind of things we know you can do, we know you're capable of doing, and you're just trying to shrug it off like you don't give a damn. Maybe you should give a damn. Because the Clay Thompson that I know that did give a damn plays better when he cares. And it's not to even imply that he doesn't care. It's just to say that, yo, you shouldn't be uttering stuff like that out of your mouth when you're playing like hot trash. Last night he did it. He had a decent he had a decent first half. Ended up him and Clay, uh, Steph Curry only combined for like 4-14 shooting and 2 of 9 from three-point range in the second half. But damn, all of the praise, all of the adulation, all of the love that you received all of these years, the second you're struggling, now you don't care about what people think, maybe you should. All right, that was, that was Stephen A. Uh, saying maybe you should care. I mean, look, uh, on the Clay thing, I don't think it's it's him not caring. It's... Look, he's 33 years old, off two major surgeries, having the worst shooting numbers of his career. Yes, it's early, but I just think it, I think Clay Thompson's comments to the media was more of a defense mechanism. It's difficult for, for, for stars to handle their decline, which we have to admit that he is, right? Like, is, is there a chance that Clay Thompson comes back and, and plays well? Sure. Is he ever going to be prime Clay, like a two-way force, a two-way uh, bucket that he was back in his heyday? No, obviously not. Those days are gone. Even without the injuries, you would have to expect a gradual uh, de decline. But with those two major injuries and watching him over the years, you can tell he's just not the same player. So I don't think, you know, what Stephen A. is saying, well, he doesn't, he should, he should care what people think. No, nah, I don't necessarily think so. I think it's just, it's just a defense mechanism in terms of how he's handling his struggles. But look, it, he did his days, man. Clay had a great career. It's a, the injuries cut it short, unfortunately. He can still be a productive player, but people still looking for prime Clay. Like, he's gone. And I don't think he, I think to Stephen A's point, it's not that he doesn't care about playing and stuff like that. You know, he did say that in the clip, but I think CP to your point is how Clay should care in changing and adapting his role instead of being that guy that is that, that was that number two guy right next to Steph Curry. Like because he's on the decline and you're just looking at some of the numbers as you go through like how he started the season and stuff like that. He's just not shooting at that high rate that he once was. I mean, he's shooting as, Stephen A said 40% from the field, 36 from three, 36% from three, which is that's down numbers for Clay. Clay is known to do much better than that. But I think for him, it's like, how do you care in adapting your game or maybe even your role on the team to help them be better? Is it, you know, saying, going to Kerr, saying, you know what? Maybe I do come off the bench because I'm not that guy anymore. 
maybe we should think about giving Moody that type of, you know, that type of promotion and let him get that experience and let me come off the bench and see if I can just take down second units because CP, I mean, I watched that give and go from Clay and I think it was Draymond in the right corner last night. Clay was, Clay was moving like he was in molasses, dude. Like that layup, I was like, he got the layup, but I was, that was sad. That was sad. And not, not that Clay was a burner of any sorts, but he used to move much faster than that. And to see him on the decline now, it's just hurting the it's hurting the wars and where the direction that they should be going because you got Steph Curry there who's still playing like he's in his prime. I think that's what Stephen A is trying to get at. Stephen A said that he should start caring, but Clay was talking about it in the context of he doesn't care what the media thinks. Not right. that he doesn't care about basketball or how he's playing. So to say to start caring, are you saying start caring about what I, Stephen A. Smith, is saying? Or are you right. saying start caring about basketball? Yeah, he he's saying he, he should care what people think. And I'm like, wh why would why would he have to care what people think? He's got four rings. Like, he's, he's done his time. And if it's just not there, it's just not there. Obviously, he wants to play better. And, you know, for Al, you're saying, well, maybe he should adjust to a new role. I'm not sure they could afford for him to just adjust and kind of dial it back a little bit and get used to who he is. They need him to be who he once was, in my opinion, for them to get back on top. Like I said, I just feel like there's an over-reliance on Steph Curry to be great. And Steph himself has get is getting knickknack injuries as the years progress. Take a look now. Steph is getting banged up here and there. So I, I it's, it's just a challenge here, man. This is a challenge. And he's staring at a new contract. Will it be with the dubs, right? There's some money on the line for Clay here. This is it. Is he going to be in that, in that 20, 30, 40 echelon? Not like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Dunleavy Jr. ain't giving him the bag. Or is he looking at, like, the new mid-level? Yeah. I mean, this, this is where, like, look, I know the money is on the table for Clay and stuff like that, but if you're the Warriors... What are you going to do? Just say, all right, we are going to hope that Clay figures it out and keep moving forward. Like, ah, we don't see anything. Everything's fine here. It's everything's burning down in flames. Or do you say, you know what? We got to figure out how do we adjust. And that's where I say maybe Clay off the bench is something because you can either just keep going the same way and just watch this team fail or, or not achieve the level that you expect that he can, or you adjust mid season and say, you know what? Let's pivot to a different direction and still try to be competitive still usher our guys that we respect for what they've done for this team and move on. But if you're going to say, Hey, we're going to expect that clay is going to bounce back. Could he get better? Sure. Is he going to be prime clay? No. Is he going to be even the clay that you got when they won the fourth championship? Maybe, but I, I think you got to make that adjustment right now. If you're the warriors, that's an internal organ. That's an internal conversation they need to have. So you're not a believer that Clay could get to a level where he could help them win a championship as a starter. Like it's, no. it's, you feel like it's over for that. I think, yeah, I think as being like a top two guy, top three guy. Yeah. I think it's over for that. I think he could be, he could be a supporting cast member at this point, but if I don't think he's going to like, look, even when we watched the finals, it was Steph and it was Wiggins. Wiggins was that number two guy that really helped win them that championship. Like, we just have enough evidence over that since that time that Clay can't do that. So I, I just don't see how at this point, after they won the championship 
about two, three years ago that we're now expecting that Quay's going to get into that same form again a few years after that. That's just, for me, that's just, that's tough. Yeah. I think, I think Clay gets better. And you mentioned Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins had a great game last night, but that's a whole other issue. Like there's reports saying that he really didn't come in the best of shape. And we already talked about like CP3 and Draymond, you know, acting crazy and Clay's problems. Like Wiggins definitely has to be, he probably has to be better than what he was when they won a championship as him being that guy, right? Like mm-hmm. with everybody declining a little bit. So that's a whole other issue right there. Yeah, man, they got, they got a tough road ahead of them. True indeed, true indeed, man. Salute to everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Another edition of the NBA Report. CP, Alex, and Andrew in the building. Uh, if you guys are new in the chat, leave us a hashtag. New will shout you guys out. Definitely salute to Team KFTV, who is in the building, watching and supporting. All right, next topic, man. Mark Cuban selling the Dallas Mavericks. Cuban selling a majority stake uh, of the Dallas Mavericks to Sheldon Adelson and oh well Miriam Adelson, the, the family of Miriam Adelson and the the Adelson uh Empire who has the uh the Sands uh casino operation. So Cuban is gonna sell his stake. He bought the Mavs for two hundred and eighty-five million dollars. He bought it uh in January fourth, two thousand, bought it from Ross Perot and sold it for three bill. So talk about a flip. <laughs> Talk about a flip, twenty year flip, man. Two eighty five turn into three billion dollars. There you go, and still gonna be running the daily operations. So he cashed out. Still the face of the organization. Still front row seats. Still talking, talking trash. That's a great deal. I mean, I don't know. You can't even beat that deal on Shark Tank. That that's a great deal. <laughs> Yo, was Ross was Ross Pro the one that said, "Read my lips, no new taxes." Was that, was that, <laughs> was that Reagan? It was one of them. I don't know. I don't remember. Al, this is before your time, man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, good God! Here we go again. I think it was Ross. Was it Ross Pro? I don't we gotta remember. Figure, we got to figure that out. We got to figure. That out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man. So so Cuban sells. I, I think there was a lot of shock. But a lot of people didn't think that would happen. But hey, you he know, had quieted Mike Breen shocked on the Knicks broadcast. <laughs> he had quiet. Though they though they were shocked. I didn't I didn't get that part. Yeah, quiet was it quiet actually was like uh you heard that uh Cuban selling the Mavs and Breen was like, wait, really? Like mm-hmm. Breen had like a high pitched voice. He was shocked to even hear that type of news. Um I don't th- I, I I forgot if they clarified that it's just a majority stake of the ownership, but Breen, Breen was shocked because he warned about that right on the airwaves as the game was happening. Interesting. Uh, Andrew, your, your thoughts. I mean, it's a win-win, right? He still keeps control of the team and he gets the bag. So, you know, kudos to him, man. I mean, what more can I say? Guy gets the bag. He, he, he loves basketball. Obviously he still likes going out on the court and shooting jumpers. I mean, it's truly his passion. He gets to stay around the game and he becomes more liquid in the process, way more liquid. So yeah. kudos to him, shouts to him. I think it's a win-win move on his part. Yeah, the, a lot of people are, are wondering what, you know, what's next for him. Is he going to run for president? You mm. know, he also announced that he's stepping away from Shark Tank after this season. So he's done with Shark Tank. Gave up most of the Mavs. It's going to be interesting. How long will he stay on as... As uh as the operations head, 
because he did remember he did hire Nico Harris. He hired Nico Harris. He hired Cynthia Marshall as a CEO when there was a lot of al- allegations and accusations about workplace harassment and toxic environment and things like that. So he did hire Cynthia to Cynthia Marshall to clean things up. So it seemed like from the business side, he was already delegating some responsibilities. And now he's he's uh, selling to Adelson. Now Adelson has the casino empire. There's also rumors that Cuban wants the next Mavericks arena to be built around a casino and resort. Everybody's, you know, gambling is the wave. Everybody's tapping in and, and trying to trying to get that coin. So maybe this is more of a strategic partnership down the road. I'm just, I think to your point, CP, I mean, you know, he's going to have some ownership of the map still. He's just selling a majority of it, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is typically like what organizations do where it's like you go from owner to consultant and then you just walk away from it. I think this is just like an easy, tra- this is just a transition where he'll still get be- get paid unless he really wants to stay involved with the Mavericks for that long. But I think from what I'm seeing right here, the t- the Adelson is going to either own somewhere between 51 to 57% of the team. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. But hey, I wish I could be Mark Cuban right now. Sheesh. That's a flip. So that that is a flip, man. An an it's, absolute flip. It's interesting you mentioned presidency because that means you're the face of America. And I always felt like he wasn't your traditional governor in the NBA. Like he always wanted to be in front of cameras. He's always doing podcasts. He's done yeah. Shark Take. I think he's a guy that likes being in the public eye. So I kind of see that presidency making sense and it might fit his personality even more than being like a governor of an NBA team, right? Where you're always speaking to the public. So I could definitely see that. He's a guy that always wanted to be in the limelight. And he's gotten a lot of love because he's open to talking to the media, right? I mean, we can look at the Knicks ownership, James Dolan, where he gets a lot of negative light because he doesn't like to talk to the media. He's very aggressive where it comes to drawing a line to how they can cover any of his teams, but you look at Cuban, he's always open to talk to anybody, even through all the allegations that happened with the Dallas Mavericks. He's always been front and center and willing to talk about it. Um, yeah, Andrew, I agree with you. I think that that kind of fits his personality with mm-hmm. what he likes to do. All right. Next topic, fellas. Prize picks time. Our picks of the day. Uh, once again, the NBA report is presented by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to prizepicks.com or use the link below or use promo code. Well, go to prizepicks.com. Use promo code NBAR for an instant deposit match of up to $100. You can also use the link below. And with Prize Picks, you have the opportunity to win 25 times your money and all you have to do is pick between two to six players you have a number of sports that you can choose from and now you have with prize picks you have a number of stats that you can choose from and all you're going to do is predict whether that player will will score more or less on that given stat number in a given night that's all more or less in your prediction you pick between two to six players and that's that and you and you watch the money come in. Now, here's where I'm going tonight, fellas. Here's where I'm going tonight. I'm doing a five-pick flex pay play. I'm going with Tyrese Maxey, man. More than 26 and a half points. Maxey is on a heater right now. The Pelicans have no answer for opposing point guards. That is green light for me. And I'm going with Maxey with more than 26 
and a half points. Uh, speaking of teams having trouble with opposing point guards, the Lakers. And for that reason, I'm going with Cade Cunningham with more than 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists against the Lakers. Uh, Cunningham has hit that number in. Uh, well, he's hit it in three out of his last five games and uh, came close in four. So uh, Cade is riding hot right now. I'm going with Cade Cunningham with more than 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists in this same game. Uh, Detroit having trouble guarding everybody. So I'm going with Anthony Davis with more than 24 points uh, against Detroit. I try to get that number with him against the Philadelphia Sixers. He fell a little bit short. I'm going with 80 to get that number more than 24 points against the Detroit Pistons. I'm going with Eric Gordon with Phoenix visiting Toronto. I'm going with Eric Gordon with more than 2.5 three-pointers made. He's been averaging about six three-point attempts over his last five games. Uh, Kevin Durant still being questionable in this game, and if he is, I think Eric Gordon is going to be relied upon to, for some scoring with Devin Booker being given the point guard duties. So I'm going with Eric Gordon with more than two and a half threes made. And then my final pick, um, I'm always going against the Wizards, man. I think that's a good play. And I'm going with Jalen Suggs with more than 15 and a half points and mm. assists against with, with Orlando at home against the Washington Wizards, man. Washington having trouble uh, with opposing shooting guards, shooting opposing shooting guards have had their way with the Washington Wizards. And I'm going with more than 15 and a half points and assists for Jalen Suggs in this one. Al, how are you looking tonight? All right, so this is what I got for prize picks tonight. First thing I'm going to mention is Kevin Herter. I like him on the Kings. I think he, he's obviously a good three-point shooter, and he puts up a lot of them. I took him for more than seven three-pointers made. They're going against the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. I like that high-powered offense that the Kings have. I think he's going to get more than the seven attempts that prize picks has put up here. The next player I'm going to go with is Desmond Bain. I chose him for less. The 19 field goals attempted just because over the last couple of games, he's been averaging somewhere between the 12 and the 16 mark against uh, Utah earlier in the season. He, he didn't make that 19 field goal attempt threshold, so I'm going to go there as well. DeMontis Sabonis going back to the Kings or playing against the Clippers. I like him in this matchup where he's going to be. I like him as a facilitator. I think he's going to get more than seven assists tonight. Then I'm going to the Rockets and the, and the Nuggets rematch we know Sangoon was able to get over 20 points the last time I took it for more than 20 and a half points going against Nikola Jokic and then for Jokic who had a stellar game against the Rockets last time I chose him for more than 48 and a half points rebounds and assists so that's what I got for my prize picks for tonight there we go uh Andrew how you looking tonight I got five picks going on prize picks Asar Thompson I'm going to go more than on 11.5 points, the Lakers have been known to fall asleep on defense, and I think they'll coast through this game. He'll get some garbage points. I think he'll hit at least one three, and I think he's been having a fantastic, se fantastic season on the defensive side, and I do believe on the offensive side he will score more than 11.5. Jaden Ivey, I'm going less than. I think his minutes have been spotty, and you never know how much he's going to play, so I will go less than 16 points for Jaden Ivey. Um, I'm going to go Franz Wagner and Cole All Anthony. Right. More than because, as you mentioned, CP, the Washington Wizards' defense is not good. Hopefully, they don't clap them too bad where they sit these guys at yeah. the end, yeah. right? That could you be a whole facing the blowout factor, yeah. especially the way Orlando's playing. 
Yeah, but Franz has been great. And obviously, Cole had a 30-point game not too long ago. He's been great off the bench. Great off the bench. Jordan Poole, everybody's low on him. But I still appreciate his skill level, just his pure skill level as a basketball player. The projection is 17.5. I think he will get more than that. And there you go. Shouts to prize picks. We're here. There you go. There you go, man. And once again, go to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MBAR for an instant deposit match up to $100. Or you can hit the link below. As we wrap the show, fellas, Let's get into our power rankings, man. Real quick, rapid fire. Uh, Al, who's your top five this week, going into this week, man? All right. Going through the top five in the NBA, who I got. Number five. Number five. Yeah. Number five for me right now, the Orlando Magic. Okay. Yeah, I like the Orlando Magic. I have them at number five just because of how they're doing so well in the East right now. They're 12 and five on the season and they defeating some top dogs in the league. I mean, they defeat the, they defeat the Nuggets, they defeat the Celtics and they defeat the Milwaukee Bucks. This is a real team. I like the youth. I think they're on the, they're on the up and up. I got them at number five. Number four, number four is the OKC Thunder. They're still rolling right now. I like what they've been doing. They're 11 and six on the season. I'm going to have them at four. Number three, got to give respect to the Denver Nuggets because they are still the reigning champs. Some may think they should be number one. I got them at number three because I still need to see them healthy with Jamal Murray when he gets back and see what that team looks like. Number two, I got the Boston Celtics just because of how that that, that starting five. Talked about it last week. They're a monster. Um, I like the way that they're able to play both off on the offensive side and defensive side. And then number one for me, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. That defense is legit. I know Ant-Man got hurt yesterday, but based until what we've seen up to, to today, I like how that team plays. And when he gets back, man, that team, that team's just a force to be reckoned with. So that, that's my top five right there. Andrew, how are you looking? So as much as I want to have OKC and the Magic in the top five, I don't. I love those teams. I got to say mm -hmm. that. I have Bucks coming in at number five. Love what they did for everything I talked about earlier. I think, you know, they're getting better and better in late game situations, and they're going to start to figure things out moving forward. The Nuggets are trending downwards, but I do still think they have the best chance this year to win an NBA championship when Jamal Murray returns. The Sixers trending upwards and B putting up, you know, it's looking like an MVC, MVP season for him. And Maxi has taken another leap. He has been phenomenal. Celtics, you know, everybody knows I'm not the biggest Tatum guy, but you know, they're undeniable. You can't go wrong with them. And then the Wolves for everything Alex talked about. Uh, there the we go. The two, there we go. the best defense in the league. You pair that with Anthony Edwards, who is just has, he has elite skill level, elite athleticism, and an elite mentality. There I we go. Goals at number one. My guy combo starting to come around on Soda Nation. I like that. <laughs> I like that, man. Number five, I'm going with the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with the Bucks, man. I, I just think with, with the freak and Dame coming alive right now, they're still one of the best teams in the NBA, and they haven't figured it out just yet. And I think that could be dangerous. Now, there's a lot of ifs and question marks as we talked about in the show, but when I compare them to other teams, they've got that star power that other teams don't. And that's why I got to respect them for the time being, and they seem like they're on an uptick and trending upwards. I'm going with the Bucks at number five. Number four, 
I'm putting some respect on the Orlando Magic's name, man. I think with the win over the Celtics, the win coming off of a win over the 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 champion Nuggets, and I know that was the week before. I just feel like Orlando's rolling right now. Winners of seven straight. You got to respect it. One of the best M- defenses in the NBA right now. Great story. You got Paolo and Franz leading the way. Jalen Suggs is playing healthy right now. They're rolling. They're clicking. I got to put some respect on their name. So I'm going to put them in at number four. Number three, I'm going with Philly. For all the reasons that you just said, you have Maxi playing at an unbelievable level, Embiid playing at an MVP level, facilitating very well for that team. I like how that team is is rounding out with their depth. And let's see, will will Maury go out there and make a move? Let's see what happens. But for right now, I like the way that Philly is moving, and I'm going with them at number three. Number two, I'm going with the Seas. They they remain hot. They remain stellar on both ends of the floor. Let's see what happens in this in-season tournament, but I'm going to go with the Seas. And and number one, the Timberwolves, man. I'm going back with the Wolves. As long as you got that top defense, you got Ant-Man running and gunning, and with their best start in, I forgot how long, I got to give them credit for that. I know the Nuggets are the Nuggets, and they will get it back together, but I'm talking about for right now, I can't put them in that top five right now. They're still trying to get it together. They get Murray back and and start to get through their championship rut. They'll be right there. But for right now, I'm sticking with this five. Timberwolves, Seas, Sixers, put some respect on the Magic right now. And I'm elevating the books. Let's see what happens there, man. Let's see what happens. Anyway, fellas, great show. And, and phenomenal show, phenomenal in-season tournament recap. Uh, remember that this show is available in audio podcast format, so no reason to miss it. You can catch us on all the major platforms. We'll see you guys on Friday for another big show, so make sure you guys tap into the NBA Report 3 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, remember that this show is presented by Prize Picks, man. PrizePicks.com, promo code MBAR for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Or you can hit the link in the video description. CP, the franchise, Al Sotaros, Andrew, the one-two combo. We out of here, man. Peace.